We got our ass kicked. Before I lose my freaking mind, we better figure this out. What the f*** is that? Don't go on it, Max. I'm sick and tired of you derailing this show. Get off oh, the block! This is the Podcast. We're here with... Tanner, good morning. Tyre Hood, as always. I'm your host, Max Gretzula. Guys, we're coming off a big-time draft by the 76ers. Able to snag Tyrese Max. They picked 21, slides down the board a little bit, so we got a little bit lucky there. But a great fit for our team. Hopefully, Doc Rivers will be able to groom him for the years to come. Hopefully, this year, he'll be a key piece off of our bench. We were also able to trade for Seth Curry. Really good shooter, one of the best in the league percentage-wise from the Dallas Mavericks. We send a second-round pick and Josh Richardson away. And on top of that, probably the biggest move of our week, send Al Horford to OKC. And, uh, I mean, that's a big-time contract. Woo! Get that money off of our books. The whole three years, $80 million left. Do we know it's hard? Which was great to see. I know uh, Al Horford just wasn't a fit here. We've all said that. I think Daryl Morey's first priority was to move Al Horford when he became uh, GM slash president of this team. Overall, it was a great night, a great week for the 76ers. And in return, they get Danny Green and Terrence Ferguson. Get uh, the f*** Green, out! Green D guy. He'll be a great addition to our bench, possibly our starting rotation, depending on what they do with Seth Curry. And uh, now less than a month away till this season starts, or maybe a little over a month. But regardless, uh, it's going to be a fun upcoming season. We can't wait for it. And, uh, guys, the Eagles as well, another tough loss against the Giants. But, listen, they're still in first place, so we got to stay optimistic even though there isn't too much to I'm sick of this. To. But, uh, look, there's a lot to dive into this week. Cleveland Browns, uh, mediocre team in my opinion. The record's probably better than what their team actually is. And also, ridiculous. they won't play – or he won't play, excuse me. So, that's a big – miss missing piece for their defense and hopefully we'll be able to run the football a little bit more so t let's dive into i want to start to you real quick give you uh give us your take on what you saw from the eagles and listen do you do you have any reason for optimism going forward here we stink i I can't put it no plainer than that like we we this has to be the worst first place team i have ever seen in my 26 years watching football. I, I kid you not. Like, uh, it, it's it's absolutely ridiculous. And it's what makes it even more painful was the fact that this team came off a bye and looked like that. All right? They weren't, you know, they weren't, they didn't play a game last week. All right? They didn't, you know, you know, they weren't tired from a road game or anything like that. These guys came off of rest and looked like pure crap. They came in and thought that they could just do whatever they wanted to the Giants just because of their record. Listen, let's be honest here. All four teams in this NFC East division stink. All right. You're all equal. You all equally stink. All right. You cannot just walk into a division rival and think you can just walk in, smack them in the mouth and take the game from them. This just it's not going to happen. It, it never works out that way. So I'm highly disappointed in the fact that they really thought that they could really just walk into somebody's house and, you know, do whatever they wanted to do to them. As a matter of fact, the Giants showed them a thing or two on Sunday. I highlighted this in um this week's Gridiron Film Session um about the fact that this defensive line, I'm going to start off with the defense this time because this defense has been a huge disappointment. First and foremost, all right, this defensive line gets paid way too much money, way too much money. There was one, the second touchdown, I think it was the Wayne Gallman, all right, that running touchdown on the goal line. And 
the Giants' offensive line pushed them back into the end zone about three to five yards. That is ridiculous. That's horrible. All right, this has to be probably off the top of my head, I would estimate probably a top five or the highest paid defensive line in the NFL, and you're getting blown off the line of scrimmage like that, including Fletcher Cox. Fletcher Cox, I'm highly disappointed. All right, this is absolutely ridiculous. And then, oh my gosh, does nobody know how to stop a zone read on this team? Does nobody know how to stay disciplined? Did you not prepare? Did you not learn from that run that almost went for a touchdown if it wasn't for the fact that Daniel Jones doesn't know how to keep his feet in front of uh, front of one another? Yeah. That would have no, been a see, score too. This is I agree. this is horrible. 100%. Everything that you're saying, I agree 100%. I think in recent weeks that we've got on the coaching staff a lot, on the quarterback a lot, but in this one, uh there was a, the fair share of, you know, unintelligent decisions, I guess you could say. But I think one thing we sh- probably should mention before we dive further is the Giants. And they actually played pretty well overall. I mean, listen, Wayne Gallman did fall in the end zone there twice from like the goal line. So there was two touchdowns there. But overall, Daniel Jones played pretty well. He seems to be getting better uh, this year, definitely compared to last. I don't know if that's because Joe Judge is the new head coach there. But um, give him credit. I mean, uh, Darius Slayton had a pretty – Pretty good game. I mean, he had that big catch down the sideline on Darius Slay later on in the ball game. Evan Ingram didn't factor in too much, but he did in our previous meeting with them at the link. I'm going to be honest. And overall, yeah, honest Saquon Barkley's been out all season, and you have to give the Giants some credit overall. I know it sucks to do that, and no one wants to, but their defense played pretty well, too. That can be contributed to bad play calling. Carson Wentz throwing inaccurate passes. You can go down the entire list. But what do you think about this Giants team? What did you see from them? That made you think, wow, they're actually not as bad as I thought. I seen something in that team that I de- that I haven't seen in this team all season long, except for maybe Carson Wentz on a few occasions. But this team, that Giants team, has heart. They have pride, and that's exactly what they played like. They played all sixty minutes of the football game. They did not let up. All right, they played hard for their coach. They believe in their coach. All right, I don't know what Joe Judge is doing doing up there in New York. Apparently he's, he's a disciplinarian and you know, he doesn't slack on those guys. And maybe that's exactly what this team needs, which is something that I've been saying for the longest is that this team doesn't need a Doug Peterson. They're just going to, you know, coddle them and give them days off. Do you guys know actually going into the giants game that the Wednesday going into the giants game, that the players had a day off. Are you kidding me? A day off and they just came off of a bye week. If you don't work their lazy asses, I'm sorry. Look, are you kidding me right now? But this is the this is this is the environment that Doug Peterson has established. So as a result, you're going to have to get rid of a lot of older players to establish a new culture. This is the only way this is going to fix this team, and you can't do that to the offseason. All right, if you don't get rid of Doug Peterson, then this then uh, this culture needs to be changed at the yeah, end of the season, and a lot of players some- got to go. Definitely a fair share of questions leading up into the offseason, but there's still a lot of football left, and we're still in first place. The Giants overall don't have too many uh, household names defensively. I guess Bradbury is probably their best player at the corner who Leonard, kept Travis Fulgham in check uh, Williams. pretty well. One catch for eight yards for Travis Fulgham. Rager, four catches, 47 yards. Uh, and I want to look ahead towards this week. Tanner, we talked about it on the bird's nest, but to dive in a little bit deeper about this Cleveland Browns team, what can you expect to see from them that could give us some problems? Well, definitely. The first thing you look at when, when you see the Cleveland Browns is that dangerous rush game. 
they got a dual threat over there. Newly returned Nick Chubb um, back in their starting lineup. And not only you think that would affect Kareem Hunt, it affects him in a positive way. He seems to play better. They, they seem to feed off of each other's energy and, and just tear apart their opponent's defense. And I want to go back to what T said in the beginning about how he hasn't seen a worse team win the division or lead the division. The Seahawks actually were seven and nine and they won their division. I think it was, was it the year that it was around the year that they went to the Super Bowl? I think. And um, early 2000s. Yeah. Something like yeah, that. Now, yeah. Now, now I'm not gonna put I'm not gonna put the Eagles and the Super Bowl in the same sentence. Please don't. Um, I just threw up that, in my mouth. That's a just bit. stupid. Oh god. But as Max mentioned, this this Giants team, um, they're 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 better obviously than last year. And for me personally, it's interesting seeing Joe Judge, their head coach, because he coached uh, a team that's just a few minutes from where I live. He coached at LaSalle and. Um, and or Lansdale LC, sorry. And just to see him come over to the link, he's already familiar with coming to the link because he's he's been here numerous times. So that's the storyline going now into to the future matchups of the Giants. But Max, back to these Cleveland Browns. They got they they you know they're a dangerous team when they want to be. It seems like Baker Mayfield is on and off sometimes. Maybe he's mm-hmm. focused too much on making his Lowe's commercials sometimes or not, whatever whatever the case may Struggling be. Struggling to get into the stadium. Exactly, dropping his keys. Yeah. You know, we, we, we've seen these commercials a bunch of times, but what the Eagles, they caught a break. Uh, yesterday, I think it was called, where my, or it might have been earlier today, Miles Garrett is put on the reserve COVID list because he – he got tested positive, or they didn't, they're not going to say he tested positive. They're saying that they're a player on the Browns team, tested positive, and coincidentally, Miles Garrett was put on the reserve COVID list. So that helps the Eagles a lot. And going into this game, uh, this probably is the latest injury report list that I've seen uh, this season from the Eagles. I know Fletcher Cox, he, he what was that, dislocated his shoulder, I believe, and, mm-hmm. and the trainer popped it back in, but he's just – He's out on rest and then Jason Peters. But other than that, this team this team will uh, put up a fight against the Browns. Now, earlier, losing against the Giants, I wasn't quite sure. But given Miles Garrett isn't playing and this team is, you know, Alshon Jeffries back. But I'm not even – we're not even going to go into that because – It's stupid. You know, it, it's just not – he's just not a problem. Um, <laughs> but yeah. – I hear you. I mean, not worth mentioning. Not worth mentioning. Yeah, no, not not, not worth mentioning at all. He is a problem for us, but he's not worth. Yeah, mentioning. not for other teams. No, I agree. <laughs> Listen, this Browns team on paper is pretty solid overall. Their defense, even if without Miles Garrett, still pretty solid. They really feed off the run game, like you mentioned. And Baker Mayfield, uh, in the wins for the Browns this season, has done enough offensively, even though uh, he's at the bottom of the league in all offensive categories from a quarterback standpoint. For the most part, uh, he's made enough plays to get the W's for the Cleveland Browns. Now I won't mention this uh, in the wins this season, the Browns have beaten some pretty bad teams. They've beaten the Bengals. They've beaten the Washington football team, the Cowboys. Uh, they, they were able to beat the Colts. Uh, they, they lost to the, Ra- they, they lost to the Raiders and they were just able to sneak past the Texans 10 to 7. Do we know so it's hard up on some right. bad teams. Now they've yeah. gotten destroyed by some good teams. So that makes me think, do the Eagles have a shot at all in this one? Now, in listen, my opinion, this, hold on. Let me get in here. This this Browns team is scripted team. 
Uh, they win the games that they're supposed to. They lose the ones that they're supposed to lose, and they split the ones in between the Raiders and the Colts games. They split. So basically, are you um, predicting a tie? Another. <laughs> <laughs> that, 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 would, that wouldn't, you know, 2020, that any, you know, we've That's already seen a tie. True. wouldn't surprise me if we could see another one at this, the rate this team's going. But let it be known that the Eagles are, I believe, 26th ranked uh, rushing defense. That's correct. So even still with Miles Garrett out, um, you you can't just count that as as really helping the Eagles team because one, it's the Eagles, all right, <sighs> and and two, it, you know this Browns offense is still good, albeit uh, Odell is no longer playing on the team right now. But this this is still a decent team, and we've lost to worse teams. I think the scary part about this whole entire situation is the fact that you know this defense used to give up you know big yardage in terms of passing. But the one thing we could always hang our hat on was them stopping the run. And as of lately, they, they, they just can't do it this, this season. I don't know what the heck is going on. I don't know what's different. As a matter of fact, this defensive line is even more bolstered, so I don't understand why there's, why there's, so, many, uh, why there's so many gaps in the middle you know, on runs. Like, we walked into that Giants game. We were 27th. Well, okay, we rose up one. Whip these stinking do. Either way, we still stink against the run, and they really couldn't stop the run. I mean, they were penetrating this defensive line at the line of scrimmage. And like I said, pushing them backwards. That's horrible. Like, I don't know. I I honestly, I can't tell you guys what this defense can do to change that. I really can't because it all comes down to effort and I'm just not seeing it. I want to, I want to add this in here because I think it's really something important to talk about and to mention. I think this week for the Eagles lines up pretty well on paper. Uh, I think with miles Garrett being out and the fact that we have a pretty good running defense, uh, which is the strength of the Browns. I think our defensive backs won't have to do as much work considering that the Browns run the ball more than they throw it. So, uh, you know, the, off- the defensive backs won't have to work as hard. They won't have to do as much. And they won't throw the ball as much, Cleveland. And on top of that, they don't really have too many weapons to worry about. They don't have like that Devontae Adams. They don't have that Julio Jones type of receiver where you have to double, right? They have Jarvis Landry, who at this point in his career, you know, getting up there in age, he hasn't had that great of a season. Um, Austin Hooper and Rashard Higgins. I mean, they don't really have any uh, star-powered guys on the outside. So I really think it lines up for us pretty well defensively as long as we scheme it right and we plan well, which it's possible. Jim Schwartz has been criticized a lot this year. He hasn't really done well recently with his schemes, but he has had success in the past. And he's overall, if you look at big picture, he's had success in uh, in Philadelphia over his tenure. Offensively, Carson Wentz just has to play better, and Doug Peterson has to coach better. He has to make better play calls. He has to get Wentz outside the pocket because I think not just this week, but you have to look ahead here. The Seahawks are a powerhouse. I know I understand that, but the Packers, for some reason, we're always able to fight them and give them fits. I, I know on paper we, we probably get destroyed, but who knows? I mean, we saw that game last year uh, where we were able to beat the Packers. The Saints without Drew Brees, they're starting Taysom Hill. He's a huge question mark, and I know we have to play them still, but who knows? Uh, the Cardinals, not saying Kyler Murray's injury that he's the Seahawks this past is going to be long term, but I don't think the Seahawks or the Cardinals are as big of a powerhouse as we may have thought. So I was about to say, so eh, many, I, I don't know. I wouldn't I'm go saying, that far, man. The Cardinals- I, think, I think my big point about this whole thing is we're not, or at least I don't expect us to lose out, which a lot of people think, right? We still have the Cowboys and Washington football team. They're bad. Those are chances for us. I think they're this, bad, this but week, we were fully healthy. The healthiest we were in the season. That's true. That's true. No, 100%. But here's the thing. I think people are so down on the birds right now, and they're chalking up all these L's, but these games still need to be played. And I'm not going to sit here and say, 
that we lose out or even miss out on winning this division. In fact, I think I'm going to stay right now. I think we beat the Cleveland Browns on Sunday. Yeah, that's. I just wanted to get right into that. What are our score predictions for this game? Me on personally, Sunday? I think I'll, I'll just come out and say I think it's gonna be pretty low scoring. I'll say the Eagles win twenty to seventeen. I I'm I'm gonna go with the Eagles winning twenty four to twenty. I have them losing twenty four to sixteen because I just can't see a scenario where this offense can turn it around. And this defense has this defense has truly truly disappointed me, especially up front. Like in these linebackers, we all know they they're sorry. And if anything, I think the Cleveland Browns are going to take advantage of their running game against us. The coaching staff has really played a bigger role Huge in role. this this you know down season of much more than I thought they would. I thought if we were going to have a bad year, it would be because of the players. Now we're not ultra talented, but we still have most of the same guys we've had in recent years, and we're getting uh, healthier. Uh, Isaac Samalo is going to be. Coming back as we put out on our Instagram page at the Philly Experience Podcast, Tanner, good good job with that. I'm sorry, but, but when 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 we're highlighting that Siamalu was coming back, you know we're just desperate at this point. Hey, I'm man, sorry. A body is a body. A body is a body, and uh, he's I'm gonna. Sorry. He, he played well early on. He played well early on, and that's another piece yes. that Wentz could use for protection. I think that with Doug Peterson moving Jason Peters back to left left tackle is a bad decision. I think horrible I decision. Played. I thought Mylotta played great, or at least above average in his place. And now that Peters is back, I think uh, he's hurting us more in our lineup than without him. But uh, yeah. with regard to going for, towards the future here, uh, do you guys see how I see it? Or do you think, uh, you know, I'm just, I have false hope. Well, Max, this team, they're, they're going to have to bounce back because they're, they're going into the toughest stretch of the schedule thus far. You mentioned, how Breeze is injured for the Saints, and they're going with Taysom Hill instead of Jameis Winston. Um, that's going to play a factor into – I believe, what do we play them, in two weeks? I believe so. Uh, two, three make weeks. that and three weeks. Three weeks. Three yeah. weeks. So, automatically, Drew Breeze has to stay out three weeks because he is added to the IR, yeah. and that's the rules. So, yeah, going into this tough stretch, the Eagles are going to need to fight to bounce back, and I think they're going to bounce back against the Browns because, listen, guys, I looked at the the playoff bracket thus far and uh, a day ago, and we are slated to host the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at the link. Oh gosh, someone well, would have to go up against the goat. I will <sighs> say I will say that uh, on paper that does not look good. But I am with you, Tanner. I think this upcoming weekend is a big weekend for the Eagles. I don't know why I have positive vibes about this game, but, but you know everything points to us losing, right? We've had no momentum. We're going on the road. It's going to be a, apparently it's going to be a rainstorm as well. Uh, so there's going to be probably more run plays than not. But listen, this all, none of this matters if Doug Peterson doesn't change the play calling. T, I know you want to relate to this here. Uh, if he doesn't run the football more, if he doesn't get once out of the pocket and play to his strengths, none of this is going to matter. So I think this is where, even if the players aren't good, Doug Peterson has to step up as a team leader, as a Super Bowl winning coach, and really play uh, or, or make this team play to their strengths and scheme up a game plan. Uh, stop having a big ego, right? I know he wants to call the plays. If, if something has to change is the point of all this. And I just hope that he's able to make a game plan that uh, can help us get a W this weekend. See, how much confidence do you have in him right now? Do you think that he's willing to put his ego aside uh, and and – perform and use these players strengths to uh you know a winning mentality a will a willing a winning ability 
or do you think that he's just going to be the same old Doug Peterson going for it when he shouldn't be on, on two-point conversions, going for it fourth and nine, fourth and seven in ridiculous territory? What do you think? I mean, look, guys, he hasn't changed so far, and that's the painful um, truth about it all. I mean, it's like you said, and you brought this up before, and I also said this in the latest Gridiron Films episode, is that Carson Wentz is at his best when he's outside of the pocket and he's making those throws. And, you know, if if you're going to be stubborn enough to keep him in the pocket – you're not utilizing him to his full strength. And right now, Carson Wentz is struggling. So if anything, as a coach, you need to really be putting your players in the very best position that you possibly can for them to make plays. All right. It's bad enough that, you know, your, your, your receiving core is young. So their routes aren't going to, aren't going to be as crisp and they probably won't be able to get as open as you would regularly want to. All right. You've been down some men. All right. You've been um, shuffling linemen in and out. So if anything, your quarterback, you, and your quarterback's been struggling in the pocket. There's times where he's been, you know, vintage Carson Wentz, making amazing throws, fitting in into tight spaces. And then there's the Carson Wentz where we're throwing interceptions, where we're holding on to the football. You need to design some plays to get that ball out of Carson Wentz's hands, and I just haven't seen it this year. Great. I mean, we fussed it. We fussed about this week in and week out, and I listened to the press conferences, and people have questioned him about it. And he has still yet to change. So why yeah. should I feel confident in him changing? I just don't. I agree. The I press conferences have been bland. He's making excuses. He's not answering the questions directly. I definitely agree with you, T. Uh, one thing before I, we move on here to the Sixers, I want to say I think we can all petition for Miles Sanders to get more carries this weekend. And I will say this one yeah. quick stat for you. Miles Sanders has never had 20 or more carries in his NFL career. He might have it this weekend, all right? Man, that's so ludicrous. Make it happen. Make that it happen. Remain. That'll help my fantasy team. That remains to- <laughs> oh, no, oh, that's what we're doing that it for, your damn fantasy team? Hey, so- if the Eagles aren't going to win, at least let his fantasy team win, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we'll Come see on. what happens. All right, you let's move on to the Sixers. Uh, what a big week for the Sixers. It's great to have uh, a little bit of Sixers talk back on the show. Oh, and great. I will say this, a little bit of disrespect around Philly. I feel like they're they're not getting the, uh, the respect they deserve or the attention they deserve. Uh, because of the Eagles, so uh, let, let's let's give them the attention they deserve here. They they made a couple of great moves, in my opinion. It's about damn and time. I think that first off, let's start with Daryl Morey, right? We 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 got into him coming to Philly. We didn't I know much love about this guy. him. And I'll tell you what, I think we can all relate here. We love this guy at least through the first couple of weeks on the job. He he seemingly in one night he clears Al Horford's contract. He he get he not him personally, but he does draft Tyrese Maxey and plays a big role in it. So he's making great moves so far. Now, I want in, winners. In regards, first of all, to the draft picking Tyrese Maxey, me being a big Kentucky Wildcat fan, I know what his skill set is. I know that he's an ultra-talented player. He's the guy I wanted at that position. I think he's I got hear you. potential to start in his second year in the league, depending on what our rotation is like. But this guy is a legit player. And like I always say on the show, when in doubt, if you're a football GM and you don't have no idea who you want or there's guys there to toss up, take the Alabama guy. And if you're a basketball <laughs> player – if you're a basketball GM and you're, it's a toss-up, just take the Kentucky player because odds are you're going to get a stud. And that's what I think that uh, the Sixers did here. What do you guys think about the draft pick overall? Yeah, I mean, you mentioned Maxi in his second year, and I, I completely agree with that. He definitely needs to be groomed into the NBA. He's a player coming in who doesn't have the best uh, three-point shooting percentage. I believe he, 29% yeah. from the arc. Yep. And so we know it's I mean, hard. He has – he has around an 80% at the free throw line, which really helps this, this Sixers team with, you know, Ben Simmons on the team with his free throw struggles. 
And we're mentioning who we drafted. And now, although we didn't get the top 10 draft, I, I like the, the top 10 draft picks that, um, that, that make the headlines. We did make some splash moves and Max mentions our, our first pick, but then I want to go to Isaiah Joe from Arkansas shooting guard, this team uh, on draft. It, Daryl Morey, he, he takes three weeks and he, and he fixes most of the, most of the Sixers problems. Um, now that's that shooting guard from Arkansas is going to add more shooting. Um, we mentioned how we now have Danny Green and Seth Curry. Danny Green, all right, uh, aside from being a three-time champ, and I believe that's, you know, I, I think he, is he the only champion on this Sixers team? Now that I think about point? it, yes. He is the, he, I, I think, and, and listen, he, not only that, but listen, three-time NBA champion. Yeah, so. three-time and twice Whoa. in a row. Um with the Lakers and then before with the Raptors. Um, And and then that, that first time comes from the, from that great Spurs team. Yeah. But uh, along with Danny green and Terrence Ferguson, we add Seth Curry, Steph Curry's brother. Um, He's got 44.3% from the arc. Now, Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons, they play better when they have shooters around them i'm going to these stats that i wrote down oh here um, we go with yeah well they're not they're not big stats these are you know <laughs> the, i didn't i didn't dive deep for these stats but That's remember two true. years ago when we had reddick butler tobias surrounding them their margin was plus 19.6 per 100 possession wow oh yeah and, just like we did this draft, I think Daryl Morey, uh, obviously he's a numbers guy. You, you got to be at that at, at this job. He he saw that, and he's he's going to capitalize on everything he can with making Joel Embiid together play the best that they can. Yeah, and 100%. also prove the haters wrong that they can't play with each other. This is something I've been begging that the 76ers, uh, upper management, have been – I've been begging them to do this for – Years now, you know, with having Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, I've always said that putting shooters on this team, surrounding those two big stars on this team would only benefit them even more. Um, In terms of Ben Simmons now, you know, I'm not going to say let's not worry about his jump shot because I'm always going to harp on him for that. But, you know, now he has somebody to pass it out to should should the paint collapse on him. All right, maybe he can work some more in the post. Same thing with Joel Embiid. Joel Embiid can be that traditional big man and not necessarily that big man that has to chuck up threes and whatnot. He's got the shooters around him now. This is the And that's the thing, man, I've been begging the Sixers to do, and it just makes common sense. Now we finally got some shooters on the squad, and I'm, I'm satisfied. I am happy. I can't wait for this basketball season because I need something to look forward to because this this bird squad is disappointing. So I think we all do, too, with the, with the coronavirus uh, and numbers going back up with the Eagles team playing poorly. I think we can all look forward to something in this holiday season approaching. Uh, but I will say this now that we have shooters are surrounding Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. Do you think that this takes us out of the James Harden sweepstakes possibly? No, Nope. Not yet. I won't say necess- it, it won't take us out of the James Harden sweepstakes, nor will it take us out of a running of the, any kind of running for any type of superstar that might be available or that might come available, might become available to us because we still need at least one more superstar to stay competitive in the East. As we all know, the East is still, you know, the East is still a big time conference. Now I think the, I think we could arguably say that the East is probably better than the West because 
most of the West is composed of young teams on the rise. So the East is really the dominant uh, conference now. You know, you still got to deal with Boston, all right? You still got to deal with Toronto. Now you're going to have to deal with a fully healthy Brooklyn Nets squad, all right? That's not something that you can just poo-poo, man. It, you got to stay competitive, and you got you to rack up as many players as you possibly can to stay competitive. Yeah, I think that Kevin Durant injury is a big question mark there. Kyrie Irving obviously has been a locker room issue, uh, but that remains to be seen here. Uh, Tanner, for you, uh, are you out on Hardstone? I'm assuming if we get him uh, without getting up Simmons, it's a no-brainer. But if you have to include Simmons and in even more, uh, for me, I don't think I would pull the trigger. Right. Yeah. Without Simmons, no-brainer, as you said. But with Simmons, I just do not want to give up Ben Simmons. T, I know you're done with Ben Simmons and his lack of the three-shot. And yeah. I'll probably keep sending you videos of him shooting. <laughs> Tanner, Matter of fact, I, he's got more guys. He's got more guys to practice with um, now on the court. So it's going to be you. an eventful Hopefully, I want to see Ben Simmons develop into that player because if he gets that three shot, he's already a better rebounder than James Harden. Okay, he's quick, fast, a defensive he's, player. Yeah, yeah, he, okay. he's just this perfect size. Okay, Tanner, um, Tanner, let me let me tell you something right now. I I I don't know how much I can tell you this. Like, what seriously, don't you f- understand? Don't send me <laughs> no more dog on practice shots. All right, and if you send uh, one more dog on practice shot, especially. During this Thanksgiving break, I kid you not, I'm coming after you. I kid you not. Please don't. Yeah. Well, T, come on. You got to be honest. Ben Simmons. (laughs) Come on. If Ben Simmons gets that three shot, (sighs) T, come on. Uh, Who you can. It's an outrage. Who he can pair against. The biggest point, the biggest point I want to make here is that Brett Brown, I just don't think that he helped Simmons (laughs) in any way. No. I think you have to at least let Doc Rivers a guy with a championship ring, championship pedigree, well-respected. I think you have to at least give him a shot to work with Simmons, try to unlock his game before you just completely give up on him. Yeah, there's going to be more chemistry on this team now. Not a lot of people are talking about this, but Seth Curry is Doc's son-in-law. Like, not a lot of people are talking about that, but that's something It's funny to me, too. Chemistry-wise and how the team's going to build. Let's also add in here Al Horford's uh, sister on Twitter. (laughs) Oh, man. Going after the Philly fans. Um, I'm not, not going to tolerate your crap today. Pretty ridiculous considering that her brother uh, didn't contribute worth a lick uh, for the Sixers this year. I and like rightfully that. so. But he, like being I like how she said that we basically hated Al Horford. We hated Al Horford because he didn't do a damn thing here. <laughs> like we, We're not going to hate nobody that, that actually works hard. I'm not saying no, that the man the, didn't work hard, but like he just didn't fit in this team. He didn't. I'm sorry. Like is... what really took me over the edge with Al Horford was seeing him in that Oreos commercial, sinking that Oreo into the glass of milk. <laughs> Come on, he can do that on the set, but he can't go out in the court and practice his shot. Oh man, that's irritating. I think that's one of the things that we we don't see. Like like the money is not a player on the court, so we don't see the money play basketball, but. Clearing that contract might have been better than any of the moves that we've made uh, in regards I'm to player acquisition because that frees up cap space uh, to be able to go get an actual good player and a good fit for this team. So I'm not saying we're going to make a huge splash in free agency uh, as it actually uh, is just underway recently here. Um, mm-hmm. But again, definitely can get a, maybe a backup center to help Joel and beat out. I'm hearing talks of Nerlens Noel. That's what I heard and- too. A reunion in Philly, so that would be pretty interesting. I don't know uh, yeah. how Tanner feels about Nerlens, but 
I, he was here during the process. I remember going to those games for seven dollars and uh, <laughs> being able to being able to sit behind yes. the uh, the team. And um, Ooh, yeah, yeah. It, it does bring back memories, and it would be great to see that to see him work in Philly this time and it to be successful. But back to back to the James Harden, and I know there's a possibility if we don't get James Harden, he goes to the Nets, and then there we go facing the Nets with Katie, Kyrie and James Harden in the Eastern Conference, and that does not look good for us on paper. But we got to look at other teams like the Bucks. Now, Bogdanovich, he, he, he did not end up going through with it, but, but they get uh, Drew Holiday, um, you know, another ex-76ers uh, player, and he's coming off the best three seasons of his career. It's a problem there in Milwaukee. I know that Bogdan Bogdanovich yeah. trade didn't go through. Uh, now there's a little bit of tampering issue. NBA is looking into it, uh, which is pretty ridiculous considering it's ridiculous. they didn't do anything uh, in regard to LeBron trying to tamper with AD before he left New Orleans. But that's <laughs> neither here nor there. Um, I want to add in this real quickly about the Sixers team because I know we're all excited about them and the season approaching and everything like that. Um, but I think – in regards to the future here, and this is why I'm kind of thinking the Sixers are out. I know they on Harden at least. There's still the superstar potential and possible trade there. Um, I think Zach Levine's name has been thrown out. I was just Chicago. about to say that, man. We must be thinking on the that, same that, wavelength because that was my that, guy that my, I wanted. That to go moves after. me to my next my next point here, and that is uh, Harden uh, with two years left on those deals, a two year rental possibly coming to Philly uh, if we were having to give up Simmons. But would you rather have Harden here for like a two year deal? or possibly Levine, maybe a less talented player here for maybe a little bit longer? Give me Levine. Give me Levine for a little bit longer, and only because I already have my two superstars, and I just feel like James Harden. James Harden is an isolation player. I'm not taking anything away from James Harden. All right, James Harden is one of the greatest shooters to play the game when he is hot. But, man, when he's off, he is off, and he will keep chucking it up. All right, we don't need that on this team. We have plenty of other players that can still shoot that rock and that's, that can still score. So I think Levine would more or less fit into the rotation of this basketball team more than a James Harden per se, just, you know, stacking up superstars. Now, who would we be keeping with Levine? Well, that's, that's another yeah. thing. I'm assuming that you have a better chance of keeping Simmons in a Levine trade than you would in a Harden trade. So I think that's the big right. thing. Simmons, for, for me, I'm still on the side of Ben Simmons here. I really don't want to give up Ben at all costs because of the what? age, just being 24. At, at the age of 24, the argument is he hasn't made too many improvements since his rookie season, and that's a completely valid argument. I understand that. But you're talking about a top 20 player in the NBA at the age of 24, which is pretty ridiculous. So you understand I think what I'm saying to you? You let him get the age of 27 still early, if not even in his prime yet. Uh, and he could be a top 15 player as long as he gets a respectable shot. I mean, you're talking about somebody that's ultra talented. Even if he, de- if he never gets a respectable shot, he does everything else for your team at an elite level, whether it be passing, rebounding, running the floor, uh, defense. I mean, I just – you can't – these guys at 6'10", they, these guys like that don't come around too often. That is true. Like, I'm not – like I said, I'm not – I'm not going to take anything away from Ben Simmons. And, his, yes, he is very talented. All right, pound for pound, I think he can be the best player in the NBA. I've said that on many other occasions. But unless he, like I, like I keep saying and harping on, unless he you know, improves his game and continues to work on his game, he's not going to get any better than what he is now. I mean, he, he's great already, all right? He can average 17 and 8 
you know, and he doesn't shoot hardly a damn thing. Like that's, that's incredible to me. I'm not, I'm never going to discount that. Like I've, I've been getting flack for that, but I'm never going to discount that. All right. I know he's great. Yeah. And I know that, and I see the potential that he has. However, given that, you know, his potential can skyrocket to the stinking sky, to the yep. atmosphere. If I'm right on there with you. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. He has the potential to be a top 10 ish player, maybe even more if he can finally get that shot. Yes. I want to, I want to touch on this real fast. Uh, I want to ask you guys about what we still need here with, with the amount of cap space we have not to buy a max player, but maybe to get a backup center or something along that, all along those lines, what else would you like to see? Maybe a stretch four because our guards are pretty well set at this point, maybe a backup point guard. I think I would, I, I would satis, I would be satisfactory with a, a backup forward that can play the three and the four. You know, you can rotate him in and out a stretch four um, to um, help out with, you know, the shooting. And while, you know, you would have Simmons or Embiid out there, I think a stretch for backup would um, cement this roster and make this a pretty decent roster to be competitive. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you 100% on that. Anytime you get a stretch for a shooter, I'm hearing rumors Darius Sarge might be back in the fold yep, for the Sixers, for Tanner. Anything, uh, anything you have your eyes set on here? No, well, we lose Al Horford's height, so maybe I would like to see us get a, uh, keep the consistency with the, with being tall and one of the tallest at NBA teams. But other than that, it's, you know, we're going to see what Daryl Morey is going to do. We're going to see his his skills uh, transform onto this Sixers team, and I'm very excited to see. I'm already liking what I'm seeing from him, and I'm just curious to see what this, ro- this starting rotation looks like um, when the first game comes around. Yeah, I think something else is brewing here. I don't want to be too optimistic about it. Uh, I don't know if it's going to be for a mega superstar, but I definitely think there's something else up his sleeve uh, I think just clearing out that cap space and making those trades for, you know, Danny Green on an expiring contract are, are the next years down the road, a couple, at least two, three, more caps, cap space for. So I think he might be looking to bring in a, a star, possibly long term. Definitely, man. I, I think that would definitely take this, take this, um, take this Sixers team really to new heights. And I think be, to be able to stay competitive in the East and possibly yeah. finally, you know, come out of that East and represent the Eastern conference finally in the finals. I think the light here is going to be, sh- uh, you know, shining off here a little bit of Tobias Harris uh, after a pretty, pretty down season, especially in the bubble for Tobias Harris, maybe not having so much pressure on him. I think Simmons and now the new additions of these guys take, take the heat off of him a little bit. And that's good. Since he's now engaged, he can go behind closed doors and enjoy the off season or what, what's left of it. But I'm going to still have my eye on him because this guy's getting paid 180 million. And I know people are going to talk about Simmons. They're going to talk about a B. They're going to talk about our shooters and Maxi, our hot new draft pick that we got. I get it. But you're talking about a $180 million player. And I need to see a lot, a lot more from Tobias Harris this upcoming yeah. season. I I think protecting Tobias Harris is Doc Rivers and that potential to to regain what we saw with them on the Clippers. Um, Now, would you have rather seen Tobias be traded for maybe a few better players than giving Josh Richardson up? I know Josh Richardson didn't really – he never really fit here. It it seemed like he just had a temporary – temporary place here in Philadelphia but now he goes to the Dallas Mavericks who are going to be an interesting team again yeah um, definitely they got Luca Porzingis now Josh Richardson so that's going to be interesting to watch. Good. but yeah. do you guys think do you guys think that Doc Rivers is the one protecting Tobias from a trade at this point I think I think it also has something to do with the fact that this team has a lot invested in Tobias it's, it's like you said you know we had to give up a first and second round pick to get rid of Al Horford and his contract 
So it's not going to be easy to move on from that contract anyway. But it's like you said, I don't think Tobias Harris had the hottest season because a lot of pressure was on him. And I don't think that he was utilized correctly. Like I said before, you know, he's a mid-range shooter. That's his that's his game. You know, if you need him on the post, he can make those shots out of the post. You know, it, I think this team um, this past season used him primarily as a three-point shooter, and that's just not his job. You know, that's not his thing. That's not his shot. Can he make the shot? Yes, but that's not his primary shot. His primary, um, his primary is, you know, on the block and, you know, in the mid-range. So I think with a coach like Doc Rivers, I think, you know, you'll see, you know, these guys playing to their full strengths. Finally, you know, yeah. it's something that we complained about with uh, Brett Brown is that, you know, we're always seeing players out of positions and not playing, you know, to their natural talent. I think diving deeper into the Tobias Harris thing and to answer your question, Tanner, I probably wouldn't trade Tobias Harris for a few other players. Um, and the reason is as because I think he's still talented. Um, I have multiple reasons for this. I mean, we can look back on his history. He's been moved around a lot. Um, and that tells you something. Obviously, he's not a household guy. He's not a superstar type of player that some thought he was because he did have a great season over the Clippers. He had a really good season with Detroit uh, before that. Uh, he had a stop in Orlando. Uh, so he's been kind of all over the place. But I think he had his, a great season with Doc Rivers, and I hopefully now he can you know, maybe match that again this upcoming season or down the road here uh, with the two uh, you know paired together. And I think that Doc Rivers said that he really thrived in pick and roll situations with the ball at the top of the key for him. So uh, a lot of this is going to hint, hint or depend, I guess you could say, on if Ben Simmons can finally be a little bit more uh, productive offensively. So if Ben Simmons is able to give you instead of 16, maybe give you 20 to 21 a game. So Bias Harris is never going to give you 30. Uh, hell, he might not give you 25, but. Uh, I think one thing you, you got to use these guys to their strengths. That's one thing. I think Brett Brown, that's, that's my, I go back to Brett Brown. I think Brett Brown had a system, right? He didn't just, you know, come up with a plan be, uh, with the guys around him, right? You get you're looking you. at a coach previously who went through how many losing seasons does this guy go through a ton, right? Yep. And I think he had a system in place and it wasn't so much about the players. I think he just, whatever kind of players he had, he just put in the system. I think Doc Rivers is one of those guys that can take a group of players use their skill sets to their advantage. You know, I think one thing when he had Tobias Harris, he used them in a lot of pick and roll situations when he had Kawhi and Paul George, obviously the offense runs through those two superstars. They need to get their 20 shots a game apiece. So I think Doc Rivers is going to make a bigger change to this team than people think. I know a lot of people these days think it's all in the players. It's not a lot about the coaching, but I think when you have a young team like we do, you need to have that leader. I think it's really going to be more family uh, oriented, more of a, family type feel especially with curry now and if you know i don't i think uh you know with doc being there with his grandchildren and having curry there and his daughter close i don't know i feel like that stuff matters you know when you're away from your kids and away from your family for so long during an 82 game season uh, not able to see them a lot i feel like mentally that wears on you because we're all human beings at the end of the day i don't know if you yeah. guys agree with that because at the end of the day they are adults but i feel like when you have your family with you closer i don't know there, there was no connection. There was there was no team leader like there was with Jimmy Butler. And last season, that showed. There was real no leadership. There was no togetherness. Um, and I don't know if COVID factored into that because everything was tough for the whole world. But do you guys have a sense that maybe there's going to be a little bit more togetherness with this team if, if uh, they can all get on the same page? Yeah, like I mentioned earlier, the, the chemistry uh, chemistry is going to play a, a huge role. And when Jimmy Butler was on the team, there was chemistry between him and Joel Embiid, but I really didn't see any chemistry between him and Ben Simmons. 
Um, I don't know if it if it was just the drama between him and Brett Brown, but he he seemed to have a great chemistry with the team. But now this team with the problem of Al Horford out of the way, I don't know how he was on the team. It didn't seem like he was a locker room problem. Um, but we we just had problems with um yeah well with Al fit, Horford man. trying to get rid of him. Yeah, it, it was just wasn't it's a fit. fit. And yeah, uh, but I'm really I'm really looking forward to Doc Rivers. I think he's definitely a better coach. Um, I, he, yeah. Not only can he connect to his players, but he can also be more than a friend. He can be, you know, a mentor yes. um, and he can actually teach them things and not <laughs> exactly. just, you know, he, he's not word. there to just be their friend. He, he's there to to doctor this team to be better. Yeah. And T, what, what's on your mind? You were laughing earlier. What's on your mind, Tanner? I'm I'm coming after you. I just want you to know that right now. All right, for for those of you that I thought don't you know, were going to say you didn't buy into my family oriented stuff. No, no, no. I'm buying into it. I, I I completely agree with you a thousand percent. I think people perform. You know, people can perform a whole lot better when you had that support system around you. I'm I'm exactly. never going to disagree with that. I as from from a personal standpoint of view, I know that definitely helps me. But Tanner, I'm coming after you because I told you if you send any more doggone three-point shots from Ben Simmons, I kid you not. I kid you not. When this COVID <laughs> thing is over and I get my vaccination, I'm coming after you. I kid you not. I'm coming, man. <laughs> I'm, I'm coming at you with a furious vengeance. I just want you to know that right now. There's one thing I want to point out to Sixers fans. I want you, everybody to go back and watch the Bias Harris highlights from the 2018 season when we got pissed bumped off. by the Toronto Raptors, and here's why. We put so much pressure on Tobias Harris last season as a fan base, but I can't, and I don't know if you guys feel the same way, remember a single time where I nitpicked Tobias Harris that year when we had Jimmy Butler in that trade. I can't really go back and say, oh, wow, wow Tobias Harris, what a bad play that was. You know, when you are when you're need to be the top scorer, because obviously Embiid uh, had some inconsistency, obviously then there was a big layoff in the bubble, everything was pretty crazy. But when you have inconsistency scoring the basketball, Ben Simmons, not shooting and not giving you 20 a game like he has the capability of doing. Everything's shown, and the light is shown on Tobias Harris. But you got to admit, when Tobias Harris was the fourth guy on this team, you didn't really have him too much to complain about. So I think I want to go back, look at that film, see where he excelled and helped this team and kind of use him in that way. Because when everybody plays a role on a team, we all know that you know the organization and things like that and the success is better rather than you know, Tobias forcing stuff and things like that. So I want to go back and look at that right. film hey, Max, and I get I'm, back to you guys. Hey, Max, am I hearing this right? You're going to do some T-work? I'm going to go back and watch the film, T. I'm going to go back and do it. Because, <laughs> do work. because of the fact about. that you know there's no complaint about Tobias Harris that year. It was Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler was a star. All the hype of Jimmy Butler that we had. You know, we did. And we remember that winter in, in season when we got Tobias Harris in that trade that sent Landry Shaman out there to L.A., Pretty hype about it, pretty excited. But when Butler comes, then you have Butler, Simmons, and Embiid. Tobias Harris is, you know, not not at not the front of the table. He's not the head of the table, so to speak, right? But that, then last year he had to be, and that's when the light was shown on him. So I'm going to go back and watch that film. I'm going to catch you, T. I'm going to give you the, uh, <laughs> give you the uh, updates because whatever strengths I see of Tobias Harris from that season, that's where I'm going to point to and say we have to use him. Now, and getting off the Sixers topic and moving on to some NBA free agency talk, I want to touch on Gordon Hayward here. Mm. I thought this guy was going to be a Celtic for a long time, and he opted out, and he wants to go to Indiana, which is pretty crazy. I mean, still in the Eastern Conference, he turned down $34 million for one season. He thinks he's worth more than that. Gordon Hayward, what do you guys think? I know he's not a Philly guy. He's from Boston. We don't even like talking about Boston. But I figured I'd bring him up because he's still, you know, around 30, 31 years old now, kind of getting up there. But 
he can still help a team win. I think the issue has always been with Gordon Hayward, of course, his injuries, but also, you know, teams have circled their offense around him and he just does his body just won't be able to hold up, you know, in order for your offense to, you know, operate with him. Mm-hmm. Should you add him to this Sixers roster, however, he would be he would just be one of the um cogs in one of the many pieces. So he wouldn't necessarily be the focal point. All right. I think that now, would that actually would help him out. Like, Here's the the rumor is yeah I haven't heard a single rumor about Hayward to the Sixers but that would be something if that if something came out of nowhere I think the thing with him is his money is too much and you know we had Tobias to ha- kind of play that role of the Gordon Hayward thing the thing but which, the thing you can decrease yeah, yeah. his value with is the fact that you know he didn't really finish last year and he's still he's still like like what a year removed from that horrific injury that yeah, he, year two that um two, that he yeah, had. Honey. That he oh, had going up for the going injury. up for the alley oop, so you know he's still removed from that, and he's still going to be recovered from that. He didn't really play too much um, this past season, so you know you you can kind of I'm not saying lowball him, absolutely not. He's he's still a great player, but you know you can give him a one year contract, one year proof of contract, maybe even two year contract. Maybe he just wanted to change the scenario out of Boston. I don't know what the situation was going on in Boston. But, you know, maybe he just needed to change the scenario. I would kick the tires, honestly. It's like I said, he wouldn't be the focal point, but he would be exactly. a, a he would be a pretty important piece for us. And I think we can definitely utilize um, – the Sixers could definitely utilize his talents. Yeah, one other yeah. name I want to mention here, DeMarcus Cousins. I've heard a lot of rumors about his name being floated out there uh, overall so far in this pretty quick free agency opening here. Uh, the Sixers need a backup center, like I mentioned earlier. I've also heard Hassan Whiteside's name thrown around too as what? well it'd be interesting to see uh with demarcus cousins i'm surprised he's getting a lot of attention considering he hasn't played a full season in a pretty long time coming off a couple major injuries i think he had an achilles and maybe an acl as well there so those are two major injuries for cousins i'd like to see the sixers make a move for a backup center like i mentioned earlier on so i don't know we'll see what happens uh tanner what else you want to add here uh before we uh, wrap everything up um you know this um the Sixers team they're it's still like as we said we're, we're uh, looking forward to Doc Rivers but there we with this draft night we did not fix all of the problems no. we mentioned fixing the problem of Al Horford and adding shooters like Danny Green and Seth Curry but there is still a lot of room to improve with this Sixers team that is playing that has been playing pretty much the same record wise for the past two seasons with little to no improvement. Now the bubble came and it saw Joel Embiid take this team over more. And he, he did impress. Um, He he showed us what he can do if the Sixers would to say trade Ben Simmons. Now in that case, there would of course be another star with Joel Embiid, but it did show us, how Joel Embiid can take over this team in a case where it's about damn time injured. So that's really my focal point is still the improvements on this team leading up to the first game of the season. I I agree with that. I think uh, Embiid, like you mentioned, yeah, the Sixers got swept there by the Celtics, but he was putting up near 30 every single game. So we know that he has the talent to uh, carry a team when, he has the mentality of it, uh, but he has a tendency in an 82-game season, uh, about 60 games in, to take some nights off. And I'm not against it, right? We saw it work for the Raptors. I think that's one key we have to think about, right? With Kawhi Leonard, they were able to bench him every single – he didn't play a single back-to-back that season, which if, you, if you're playing in Philadelphia and then you got to get on a plane to Detroit and play the next night, I understand that, right? I'm not, I think as a fan, we, we get on him for not playing every single game. But the thing is, for me – 
if you can get Joel play 72, say, and not, not play in those back-to-back, uh, back-to-back nights, then I think Embiid and Simmons, especially with it, and hopefully an improved offense, uh, can really get this team past a first-round exit. Let's go ahead, Tanner. Now, if we see by the start of the season and past the, the trade deadline, if we see Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons on the same team, this will be the last season to prove it um, because yeah. there, there won't be after this, there won't be, can they play with each other? Um, are they going to be successful on the same team? We'll figure that out this season. Now there could always be an injury that, um, that, that seems oh, to God happen. Forbid. I don't need yeah, that. Please, talk, yeah, don't yeah, that. Don't say that. Attitude. Don't say but, that. But you know, you can never, oh, you can no! never predict what's going to happen. And I hope we're able to see two healthy stars who are in their prime, be able to to play and Coexist. successfully play for the city of Philadelphia. Yeah, agreed. I want to wrap it up with this question. I think we got a little debate earlier on about what championship was more entertaining, the NHL championship finals, Stanley Cup, or the baseball. Now, I took the baseball World Series. You took the Stanley Cup here. Now, this could go both ways because, you know, we had such a long layoff for sports and to come back and have either the bubbles and all the plans and, all of a sudden, the uh, you know the baseball kicks back up, and it's kind of back and forth. Obviously, the Flyers ended in disappointment, but there's something about playoff hockey that's great. I agree, but I don't know. I think this was the Dodgers' year. I think that's what the big storyline was, and where I was at as far as the Rays and that bullpen that they had. It was so amazing going up against the Dodgers' high power offense. For me, that's where the storyline yeah. was. What do you think? Mm. No, I I said I picked the Stanley Cup because just from from a standpoint of not being the biggest. Um, hockey fan, and now of course nobody cares about because, hockey, Max. This is because well, the I'll tell you what we, we know who didn't who didn't uh, care much for the uh, for the yeah. Stanley Cup final, right? So actually, let me correct you. I did. I actually found it see, more entertaining really? than the than the World Series. I'm gonna be honest right. with you. See, you I got did. a guy that ha- that that hates hockey, oh, and he even watched the Stanley Cup, on, and he on. watched hockey. It was interesting. You weren't able to really tell the absence of the fans because of the angles of the cameras and the way the rink. You know, it, usually hockey. Some, uh, of course, during a goal, you can see the fans, and during a hat trick, the hats are on on, right. on the rink. But not only was the Stanley Cup better than the world series and the finals because both the finals and the world series were predictable outcomes. Um, I agree. You know, that. the Lakers, the mm-hmm. Lakers were going to win the NBA finals, the Dodgers definitely uh, when they got Mookie bets, that was, that was on the top of my mind was that the Dodgers are going to win the world series, but, but for the Tampa Bay lightning mm-hmm. uh, to win the Stanley cup finals, that was an interesting storyline. It was. And as I mentioned, it, it, it was interesting for even a non hockey fan. And yeah, I, I mentioned it was safer. It was safer because um, you you saw at the end of the World Series, um, it was Muncie, right, who uh, tested positive for COVID, Justin came back Justin out Turner. on the yep, or yeah. Justin Justin Turner. I'm sorry, Matt. Um, Chris might have liked me, sir, but um, he doesn't <laughs> like Matt. But no, um, oh god. But yeah, um, no, yeah, just to test positive and come out tea. on the field. Crazy. I understand you win the World Series, but maybe not go ahead and hug everyone and take maybe your mask off. Yeah, no. Maybe picture. wear a mask. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. It wasn't the smartest. Thing I just like the way. I just like the way that the NHL handled it. Yeah, the NHL, I will uh, shout them out. Not a single positive case during their whole run there, whole stretch of games in those bubbles they played in Toronto, they played in Edmonton. 
And uh, it was an entertaining uh, end to the season. I thought the games were six, seven games every series. And that's what it is about hockey. That's what I love about it. You know, it's so unpredictable. You get a hot goalie, uh, you know, you can win the Stanley Cup. It's literally that simple. Um, you got to go through some teams. But basketball pretty much predetermined. If you have a guy by the name of LeBron on your team, you're probably going to win. You know, yeah, so pretty much. hockey uh, hockey is a little bit more entertaining from the playoff standpoint. And I will give you credit. You did say the fans uh, played a role in the entertainment of the game, or I should say no fans. So uh, NHL did a good job, I think. I think it made a good point. I really couldn't tell that much. It didn't make much of a difference in the NH from an NHL standpoint that I could I, – I didn't really see or can feel the, the yeah. energy in the crowd. You know, and it didn't that, bother me. That all, goes, that all goes to the credit of the camera crew and the production yep. team. And those are the guys that are behind the scenes making everything work for us at home watching it on the big screen. Yeah, I think you could really tell with football because the stadium is on baseball. You can hear the crack of the bat like it's in your backyard. Right. And Fox Fox tried. Go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say the the virtual fans. I I saw that. And the NBA tried to do the virtual fans, but I felt like they were just playing at such a tight gym. It almost felt like they were at like North Penn High School playing uh, (laughs) their their game. So, uh, (laughs) yeah, shout out North Penn. Yeah, there you go. All right. All right. With that, (laughs) TT, let's shut it down. All right. You guys miss any of this episode, you can always go to philly-experience.simplecast.com. Available on all major downloadable platforms, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. Catch us on YouTube, the entire Shabazz. Tanner, we're going to come after you for sending that damn uh, Ben Simmons <laughs> three-point jumper. Um, other Shout than out that, to you for that big job. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you, you big boys WH- or WIP guy over here. <laughs> yeah, like, I'm moving up in the world, I guess. There you go. All right, and listen. From my family and from us, all of us and our families to yours, have a happy holiday, safe holiday, happy Thanksgiving. Excuse me, guys, I got to go fry up some turkeys. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Skip Bayless can kick rocks. Shut your yap. You piece of Swiss cheese. You understand what I'm saying to you? We got our ass kicked. Oh, wait, wait. Dwight Howard just went to the, to the Sixers? Nuh-uh. Stop playing. Right when, our, right when our show ended? Dwight signed with the 76ers. <laughs> no! Breaking no, news just, right got, here. I, I got to make this post. Hold on. I got to make this post. Breaking news right here on the Philly Experience Podcast.